friend. Welcome to the podcast. I am Melissa Matheson, and it's the last week of January. Just two more episodes of our Celebrating Singles series that we've been doing for the month of January. We've been talking with all kinds of incredible people who just all happen to be single about how we can all grow together as a community of people to step into our purpose. It's been a really great month. Hey, remember my friend Carly that was on the podcast this month? Carly and I talked about how she started her online jewelry business, and within a week of making an appearance on our Celebrating Single series, Carly gets engaged. Okay, so I didn't really have anything to do with that, although the timing of it all was kind of fun. So today I'm sitting at the table with my friend Louis Mario Molini IV, but we can just call him Louis. Louis is the handsome young man that proposed to my friend Carly. Although Lewis was not on the original calendar of guests for this month, I'd say a marriage proposal is a pretty major life transition for a single person. I asked Lewis if we could talk about his journey that got him to this point, and he had some pretty interesting things to say. So grab your coffee and join us at the table. We're talking about kombucha, law enforcement, and commitment today on What's Next, God. Uh, okay, so no judgment here. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No judgment. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment from any of my friends that might be listening. Okay. But you're not a coffee drinker. I am sometimes. It Sometimes. Okay, explain to me your coffee drinking policy and procedure. Okay, so I I do hate coffee. I really <laughs> you do. You hate it. That's I hate strong. It. There is really only one. It's going to sound like I'm kissing up. <laughs> I will only drink coffee my fiance carly makes lattes yes and it is literally the only cup i've ever liked really well who <laughs> knew that those car lattes would get yeah. her a husband <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i've i used to work overnight wait are you, wait d are you are you just saying that i'm not just saying that you really mean that i used to power through coffee i used to work an overnight job before i moved Hamilton in New York and yeah I used to drink coffee just to stay awake but it wasn't like I was like this is so So good good. but yeah do you not even get into like the culture of coffee like coffee shops and that sit and kind of cozy that's just not even your thing either you're shaking your head now no it looks nice the aesthetics really nice looking but it's it's not something Just I ever want not to your thing. be a part of. All right. No judgment from me <laughs> because you're drinking another one of my favorite drinks. You've got kombucha. I do have kombucha. So let's talk about kombucha then. So people may not know what kombucha is. Let's educate people on kombucha. I still kind of don't even know much about kombucha. <laughs> Just <like laughs> to drink it. <laughs> the things I eat and drink, it's just like... It tastes good, so that's good, and I leave it at that. But there you go. I know it's like fermented something. It's fermented tea, mm-hmm. and it has. You're drinking something that has flavor in it. It's not homemade. Okay, before anybody messages me and wants my homemade kombucha recipe, you're talking to the wrong girl. I tried to make it homemade, and I have friends that make it homemade, and it's really good. I have not mastered homemade kombucha, so on the occasion that I do drink it. I go and purchase it. That's the way to do it. But it's I, really good for your body. The 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 probiotics in it and for good gut health. It tastes alive. It tastes great. It is very much alive. So, well, 
kombucha it is for you and i am still drinking my coffee i you know coffee drinkers do your thing but i just won't be joining you but you're not like to coffee drinkers ooh gross or anything like that are you i say that coffee's gross but i'm not like how could you uh, okay well black coffee drinkers <laughs> i will be praying for all of you wait but a minute we didn't judge you but don't there's judge no ju there's no judgment okay no judgment but it's just black coffee your opinion is, ooh. That's strong Rough. stuff. Yeah. That's jet and fuel. I can say that too, because I've asked, I've had to have my black coffee drinkers talk to me about that and explain to me their black coffee drinking process so that maybe I could learn something. And I just haven't gotten there yet myself. So the only thing okay. I've heard is just you drink so much of it that it doesn't affect you anymore. It's like drinking water or something, you know, just no more taste anymore. You just drink it. Hey. Harsh. It <laughs> it's harsh, harsh on my taste buds. What do you normally drink? Are you a soda drinker at all? I used to be a really heavy soda drinker, and to be and honest, I kind saved. of slipped back into <gasps> it. But no. I, it's so bad, and like it would give me headaches because the sugar is just so, so much. Um, I I don't think I have a specific drink. I really love ginger beer. Like really love ginger. Really beer. love ginger beer. Really love that's it. your thing. Yeah. I actually like ginger beer, but I'm really super picky about the brand. I can't drink just any ginger beer. It has to be. What's your specific brand? Uh, okay, so Carly and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, your fiance. We've said that twice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In three minutes. Uh, we were talking about ginger beer the other day, and I couldn't remember the brand. I'm going to have to look it up. If I saw a picture of it, I could say that's the one I like. Um, but I got it at World Market. Hmm. So I'm trying to remember the brand. They have like several different ones there. So I tried to go online and look on their website to see which one it was. And there were so many. Is it like a distinct bottle shape? Uh, yes, it has an unusual shape. It's kind of not short and squatty, but it's not like a regular. Is it Bundaberg? Sort of, ooh, it might be. Because it kind of looks like a barrel. And then the top, it's like a thing that you kind of peel Pull the on the top. Yes, that's the one. Because I first had it in uh, Manchester, England. It's really good. That's the one I Bundaberg like. Bundaberg is great. That's the one. Bundaberg? Bundaberg. I think Bundaberg. that's what it's called. I'll have, have to find it. It's good so, stuff. that's the one I like. Well, cheers to ginger beer. So, you're not from... You're not from these parts, are you? No. You're not from the South. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> okay, wait. Wait, wait. Back up. I've known you um, three years i've been here almost three years three yeah. years in the area okay so lewis um i have to tell everyone listening i have always wanted to be friends with lewis so <laughs> when lewis moved to town he seemed quiet shy uh, a bit of a man of mystery which is interesting because that's how we always joke about <laughs> your fiance carly being uh, a person of mystery but you came to town and you just seemed like this guy's like, I really want to be friends with Lewis. You would come to the office where I worked and walk through like for months. And I'd say, hey, and you'd say, hey. And then we never really talked until one day I remember that we talked. And I was like, I like this guy. I remember telling Kirsten at the front desk, I really like Lewis. Like, I really like Lewis. Lewis is really great. And now... Three years later, you're marrying one of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I even remember trying to think who we could set you up with. Yeah. Did you know I, we used to do that? I mean, I know because it would become a topic when I was around. <laughs> <laughs> it was like since I moved here, it was like, okay, so you're here, you're getting settled, you have a job. We got to find you a wife. Yeah. And it's just like, 
And not because we wanted to do that because we so like you, like you are such a great person. And we knew that that would be something you would be interested in, you know, we're like, well, let's help Lewis find a wife and you're finding a good thing. Here I am. <laughs> here you are marrying my friend Carly. So, and I'm super excited about that. Okay. So you um, have been here three years, but you are not from here. No. Tell me a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Cause I know a little bit, but not a whole lot. So my full name is Lewis Mario Molini the fourth. <laughs> I'm the fourth Lewis. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was born in California. I was born in Los Angeles. Grew up, I think it was in between Englewood and Compton uh, in a place called Hawthorne. Um, it sounds, you know, Compton sounds like I grew up in the hood, but I really didn't. No. Um, and then I moved when I was nine to New York. Uh, my father is a pastor. And so is my mother um, and my uncle, who is a gospel singer. Yeah. He has a church in New York, and he was starting up his church uh, in a place called Freeport on Long Island. So yes. we moved there in 2002, I think it was. So you grew up in Los Angeles until you were nine. Yeah. Went to school there and everything. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. And then we moved to New York and lived there until... My parents moved back to California to start a church in 2016. Okay. I stayed behind and then moved here to Hamilton in 2017. Okay. Yeah. And you're 26. I'm 26. 26. Yes. So uh, what did you do in New York? You finished high school. What did you end up doing there yeah. after school? Um, after high school, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I went. I knew I wanted to go to college. <laughs> Welcome oh, to being yeah. 18. <laughs> I actually and twenty four. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> and say thirty two. And very long time after is, eighteen. This is why we have a podcast called "What's Next, God?" Because <laughs> here I am. <laughs> no I, idea. Uh, yeah, I after high school was going to college really just because I was supposed to go to college, which now looking back was probably not the best idea. But um, I started going. I went for. Uh, law enforcement. I wanted to be a police officer. Really? Yeah, which is bizarre thinking about it now. Um, it was something I understood. It was something I was technically good at. Um, Not because you had experience with the law. No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> and then um, I kind of stopped, dropped out, and stopped going. And then I don't know, I just started watching movies and then figured I wanted to uh, get into filmmaking. Yeah. So I started going for filmmaking, and then they cut my program, and I stopped going to college. I think, okay, so film and the, like, a police officer named <laughs> Louis Mario Molini the Ford right. could have his own television show. And so you could, like, produce your own show with you as a police officer. <laughs> like, doesn't that sound like a New York police officer name? It does. And especially, like, the Louis Molini sounds like a real New York. Yes, it does. Yeah. I could have played on that. Have you ever had a nickname like Louie or have you always been uh, My Lewis? family has always called me Louie. Like it is weird. I grew up hating it, but now I, it's weird if my family calls me Louis. Oh, okay. It's bizarre. My family calls me sis. That's, they don't, it's sis. And then my nieces and nephews call me sissa because Melissa was too hard to say. Gotcha. So I'm sis and sissa with my family. So when other people hear that, they're not real sure who they're talking to. I'm like, oh, that's that's my other name when I'm with my family. 
Yeah, Louis has always been mine. And like when people outside of my family would do it, I'd be like, no, don't call me that. Because <laughs> I was about <laughs> to say. <laughs> now I don't really care. It doesn't bother me at all, especially with people I'm friends with here, basically family. But um, yeah, like my sister moved here and started calling me Louis because she knew that I grew up hating Louis. And I, I think Louis like, no. is great if you were still in New York, but you know, you're Louis here in Northwest Alabama yeah. to us. So I like your name. So they dropped your program at school. You stopped uh, stopped school and then just worked a little bit. What kind of jobs do you I do in New York? started working at Lowe's in 2013, See, I think it was. See, I know they have Lowe's in New York, but I've only ever been to like <laughs> New York City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't. There's no Lowe's That's there. That's the funny thing. Like people hear me say I lived in New York and they're automatically like, oh, wow, New York Manhattan. City. How I'm far like, were you from Times Square? You know, like yeah. an hour and a half because I lived <laughs> on Long Island. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a place called Farmingville, and it was pretty small, but not small compared to Hamilton. But yeah, um, yeah, I worked at Lowe's from 2013 until 2016. Uh, I just, yeah, that was that was it. It was pretty boring. <laughs> so, what brought you to Hamilton? Um, I came to the ramp. Actually, uh, I had. My uncle sings, and his manager would always bring his daughter with him. Her mm -hmm. name is Tegan. Yep. And we grew up knowing her, and we were kind of, she was like a family friend. Um, one year, we were having an event with the church that I was at in New York, and she came, and I was starting to like really fall in love with England, and I told her, you know, I really love England, and we were kind of just talking, and... Um, she came back like a year later or a couple of years later and was saying, oh, you know, we, at the church I go to, the ramp is trying to expand into England and you should come to the ramp and check us out. And maybe that's like a thing that could happen. So I said, okay, what's that? She started showing me videos of the ramp. Uh, and this was like 2015. Um, and my initial reaction was, very interesting, but I'll come <laughs> because I'm not doing anything here. So I came to uh, Spring Ramp of 2015 and came to that conference and went back home for two years. And then the Lord just one day told me, like, you should move to Hamilton. Now, you took a trip to England. Yes. In this. So what? where did this love <clears throat> for England happen? I don't know. You don't know? I... Do you no travel clue. internationally or have you ever? I went to Italy when I was 16 with my family. Ooh, um, Louis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like throwing hey, it out there. Your fiance likes Italy. We <laughs> talked about Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Italy when I was 16. Uh, but she knew that this was after the discussion we had. And I think it was after I'd come to Spring Ramp. Yeah, it was. It would have been that November. They were planning a trip to go to England um, yep. and go to Prayer Storm. Which is James Another Aladdin, ministry, right? yeah. Um, so I, the England thing, I don't remember when it happened. I just knew it was like really weird, and I, it's obviously like a thing from the Lord. I just started feeling really homesick for England. I had never been before. Interesting. And I started having dreams about being in England, and it was just really weird. And I remember telling my parents, like, I have to go to England. I don't know what it is, but I have to go. Um, and then in 2015. Um, in the fall. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, it was right around November, November. I think. November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to England. Um, it was a whole group of us, and I met some people from the ramp. Yeah, you did. So that was an interesting trip because if we look back on pictures of that trip, there's some people in there uh, that you at the time did not realize would end up being very important people in your life. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. So that trip in November 2015, that was Tegan, her husband, Herschel. Yeah, it was Tegan, Herschel, uh, Kristen Wessler. Kristen Wessler. Kaylin Moore. Kaylin, yes. Um, Carly. Carly, who's Carly? <laughs> Carly is now my fiance. We're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were on that trip, like that was not a thing. No. Uh, she actually did not like me on that trip. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. I'd say it was a little more than not like, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> she was not Why? a fan. Why? What did you do to her? I was really annoying. <laughs> I was pretty insecure when I was, I don't know how old I would have been in 2015. Um, but yeah, I was just really, I don't remember. It was like, I would just say stuff and like try to be funny and was, she wasn't having it. I was an annoying person. She's a no-nonsense kind of girl. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and Most she didn't definitely. have time for some uh, New Yorker named Louie to come and no. crack his jokes in England. And constantly ask, what are we doing? Where are we going? And yeah. You're a, a different person at 26 <clears> than <throat> clearly you were at 21 when you were in England. Most definitely. You've been through a bit of a life transformation. You've not only moved from the big city all the way to little bitty town, mm-hmm. you uh, have changed jobs. You're working for our local newspaper. Yes, I am. What Almost do you a do year there? now. Is it a um, year? February wow. will be a year for sure. I am a staff writer, so I go to city council meetings. Um, Whatever sort of festivals that are going on, I'll go take pictures and report. That's what I do. And you love photography too. Yeah, I do. Yeah. When did that start? Um, 2016. When my parents were about to leave to California, I was really obsessed with film at that point. But I did not have in my budget to be like a filmmaker in the way that I wanted to be. Okay. Um, And also, I needed to learn how to somehow figure out my own style, composition of shots, that kind of thing. So I was looking online for cameras. They're super expensive. Yeah. So I decided to get a film camera, which was a lot less expensive. It was like $93, the one that I bought. Um, And I really wanted to learn film because it was something I was interested in anyway, developing film, that kind of thing. And so I just bought a camera on a whim, took it out, started shooting, and didn't really stop. So... So you saying a film camera, like it has film in film it, in it. You that you develop in a dark room? I can't develop it because I don't have the tools <clears throat> the for it, but I do send it off to get developed and yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So this is super old school for some people listening that may have no idea what we're talking yeah. about. This is a camera. You load film into mm-hmm. it. You don't know what the pictures nope. look it's like. super scary. <laughs> until you send them off. You're paying somebody to develop them. And then they could be just junk. And they have been sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always my fault if they are junk. So, And yeah. you still love film. Like you still like your film camera. Yeah. So um, any pictures, like I po- post pictures on my Instagram sometimes. Any pictures that I post are film photos. Yeah. Do you know I did not know that? I thought they were digital and you were using like a film filter or did some sort of graphic no. design to make them look like film. I'll go in and like touch up the color here and there, but for the most part, it's just I get the film back 
It's on my phone and I'll post it. Lewis, yeah. that is such an Enneagram 4 yeah. thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, this is uh, an interesting conversation because I did not originally have you in mind for our Celebrating Single series that we're doing in January. In fact, you're the last conversation. I have one more that'll be like a recap mm-hmm. that we're going to do um, and talk to about. We're just going to kind of recap the month. But you're like the last official person having coffee with me who's single, kind of. But this really started because your fiance, <laughs> Carly, was just here on the show. She was not your fiance. No. She, you guys had been dating and then she comes on the show and then you propose Yes, <laughs> and now you're getting married. Yes. And I thought, I want to see if Lewis will come talk to us about that process because we've been talking a lot about singles <clears throat> and um, not necessarily about now. Some of them we have talked about singleness. Some of them we've talked about their journey through singleness, but also about who they are and what they do and. Carly, we did not talk a whole lot about dating or relationships at all. It was really about business and starting businesses and her travel. And then some people, we've just gone all in on that um, conversation on dating. But you, I think, are going to be really great at talking to us and giving us some insight into what this journey has looked like for you. Now, you're not speaking for all single men out there, so let me just take that pressure off of you. And for anybody else listening, this is just Lewis talking about his experience and his journey with that. So have you wanted to be married like your whole life, or is this something that just suddenly, hey, I'm 26, I think I want to date somebody to get married? I have always wanted to be married just because I was always, I had a good family. Um, yeah. And I always loved the idea of family and I knew that I wanted my own family. And so I did. It was definitely something that I had wanted. I don't know for how long or if it was all my life, but most definitely did. Yeah. Have you dated a lot? No. Um, I've been on maybe two dates. Really? My entire life. Yeah. Is there a reason why? Like, were you intentionally not dating um, or has there just not been anybody? <clears throat> so I Interesting. have always dealt with pretty severe anxiety and... Um, also, uh, some obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. So when I would start dating someone, it would be really difficult for me to get out of my head that the person that I was dating didn't want to be with me. And I had to like try really hard to keep a person around and it would always just turn into a disaster. So So you would think things in your mind that wasn't really true that you thought they were thinking. Yep. And so you would end up sabotaging... It's always been like self-sabotage. Yeah. Most definitely. The yeah. relationships. Mm-hmm. And you've always had that? Yeah. Do you do that just in dating relationships or in, does that carry over into your friends and your work? Um, it has never been sabotaging for friends, I don't think. Um, but for sure, dating relationships, yeah. I mean, that's like the main, where it's always been like a really heavy issue. Yeah. Yeah. What changed? How? Where? Where did you get over that? Um, actually in the current relationship that I'm in, yeah. Okay. That's where it kind of, I had to rethink how I was thinking. Really. So when you started dating Carly, tell me, tell me about when you first saw Carly more than a friend, like, cause you guys, yep. you've lived here for several years mm-hmm. and tell me about how that got started. Um, so I 
was kind of just friends with Carly. We didn't really hang out that much outside of like all of our friends were getting together and we all went to England together. So when those group of friends get together, that's when I would see Carly or whenever I was at the ramp during conferences. Um, I don't remember when it was, but I remember starting to think like, oh, wait a minute. I might want to date Carly. But I just remember, I don't remember which conference it was. There was one conference where I was just sitting and Carly just came and just sat next to me and she just asked how I was doing. And that's when I was, I don't know what happened. It was kind of just like, I think I like Carly. Oh. And that's when it happened. No anxiety? Um, no, not at that point. Not at that point. Not at that point. Um, it really started when we started dating. Okay. Yeah. So it did it at some point, yeah. show up. Um, I, in dating relationships specifically, I always had this thing and it's not to blame anybody specifically. I think it's just something that we have in, especially now the church culture. It's like, you almost got to know if you're going to marry that person before you even date them. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That's a big deal. So that was a huge issue for me. I'd grown up in a church that was very heavy on that. Like know who the Lord is at telling you to marry, and if it's not that person, you don't go after anything but that. So I remember right before I moved, I liked this girl and was starting to date her, and someone came up to me, and she was being harmless, and I'm sure she was just being encouraging, but she comes right up to me, and she goes, listen, you're a really good-looking young man. And, you know, you got to say no to these girls who are chasing after you <laughs> and God's going to show you the right one. And I was kind of like, thanks. And then that kind of started playing in the back of my mind. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the girl that I'm with, like not who I'm supposed to be dating right now. And oh. There was nothing wrong with the girl that I was dating, but I just started having severe anxiety about it. Um, and it just plunged me into a really bad hole of anxiety and then. I had depression issues really bad at the time too. So it kind of just made me self-sabotage and turned into a whole issue. Did you realize that that was happening? Um, I don't know. It just causes so much confusion that I just, <laughs> I feel down, what I feel much. and there's like a heavy weight on me. And then once it's done, it's done and that's it. So you think it's okay to <clears throat> go on dates if you're not sure that that's the person you're marrying? Most definitely. Yes. Um, Let's set some yeah. people free here. <laughs> so I'm just going to say this. <laughs> uh, now looking back, and it's, it happened with this relationship too in the beginning, but like one of the things that I've learned <laughs> the hard way, kind of, you can't for one second believe that you're going to know what's going to happen before you do something. Right. And I don't know. It's like the Lord opens doors and we do have a choice in what we're doing. And if you are not blatantly walking into sin, you have a choice to make. And the choice that you make is definitely the choice that you make. And you don't have to be afraid that you're going to do the wrong thing. Yeah. I think my thing definitely was like a fear of messing up and doing something that was irreversible. I am a big fan of go on a date. Like it's not. See what happens. Like, see what happens. But don't be planning a wedding on the first date. And we've had some people that have had that love at first sight kind of experience. I would 
I would think, in my opinion, that that is not the norm. Yeah, and by all means, like if that's what happens for you, then that's great. Yes. But I think that 90% of the time, that's kind of not what happens. That's like an anomaly. And I think a great thing about going on dates, I hate to say that you get practice, but sometimes in order to know what is going to work, you have to see what doesn't work. Yeah. And it helps build your relationship skills to be able to go out in healthy in a healthy way, have coffee with somebody. You're learning how to treat people in an honorable way and have fun and and make friends and you know make connections with people and take the pressure off that if we go out for coffee if we go out to dinner if we go bowling that we're getting married yeah and i think we need to let our single friends off the hook when they go and do that that we're not pushing and and pressuring and go hey what about you and Louie yeah. over there you know we're not doing that to our friends and putting this expectation that hey you as a man need to make something happen or you need to honor her and not ask her out until you know yeah. we need to stop doing that to our friends and just because when we live in community to me that is the safest place to be able to try to make these connections mm -hmm. and um see if this is the person that we we think we want to spend the rest of our life with yeah uh, a fairly quick dating engagement season yes is there a reason? Um, okay, so early on, I think it was maybe, maybe three or four months in, uh, we actually broke up. Okay. I had some severe issues with my anxiety that I had, I don't know, it's just um, all my ideas about datings and feelings when you're dating and that kind of thing was just very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I had some severe issues. I also, uh, just to be very candid, had um, an addiction to pornography at the time, mm -hmm. um, and that kind of just made things worse. Yeah. So we ended up, uh, she broke up with me, and it was, and it's so weird, like I thanked her because like I was clearly going through something that I needed to really figure out. Um, I started going to therapy after that. Um, I started getting counseling, and then uh, like 40 days later... We got back together, and the reason I think it's gone so quick is because when we got back together, without saying anything to each other, I think we had decided, like, this is what we want to do, and if we're going to get back with each other, like, we're going to make this work. Right. And this is going to go fine, because we're both willing to do that. Yeah. Um, and then it just has gone really well, and it just started making sense. It wasn't like a moment where I knew that I wanted, it just kind of was making sense and happened and yeah, we both decided. Because when you know, you just kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's like with me, I, like I said, I struggle with a little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder and it does show up a lot in relationships. So there'd be moments where I don't know, but I think the comforting thing is like, I don't have to feel pressured to know what's going to happen. Um, yes. So even in the moments where I don't know, where I'm like doubtful of whether it's going to work out or not, because I so heavily feel fear all the time with everything. Um, I can kind of fall back on obviously like the Lord is in control of what's going on. And right. I know I'm not doing anything sinful or wrong or treating anybody badly. I don't know. It's just, I know that I feel peace with the decision that I'm making 
And that to me is like good enough to keep going. Yes. And you're choosing covenant. So we're big, we're covenant people Mm -hmm. here. And the fact that you guys are doing this in healthy community Mm -hmm. is to me where I think a lot of the peace comes from. It's you guys are accountable to people and friends. And this is where community I think is so valuable for us when it comes to making important decisions knowing that if I was going to make a decision that is not going to be good and my people know me and they're like, whoa, I don't know if that's a good idea. That was a huge thing for me, um, especially early on. Like I said, I get very scared very easily with like the whole, you have to know what's going to happen beforehand. Mm And I, with OCD, it's like what I struggled with, especially early on, and I still struggle with it, is intrusive thought. So if I think a thought that's a little on the scary side, it will take every good thought, push it to the side, and bring the really scary thought, like what if this is not a good thing, and make it a reality in my brain. Okay. So uh, when that happens, it's like I was ignoring all of my friends around me and the community that was around me. And to me, I'm thinking exactly what I thought when that lady said that thing to me, like, okay. what if I'm doing the wrong thing and ignoring the people around me and ignoring saying this is great, this, this is, is great. Good. And ignoring the actual situation itself where it's like nothing was going wrong. Everything was going great. I was happy, but yeah, it's. So how do you manage <clears throat> that? Where do you take that thought captive? How do you put that thought that's tried to push that lie that has pushed itself to the front of your brain? How do you push it back? Um, actually the pushing back, it's a very weird thing. And I don't know if it's just me specifically where it works like that, but I, for the longest time was like speaking to that thing, like trying to push it back with all my might, but it was actually in learning that I don't even have to act like it is a problem. And it's just kind of like letting the thing come. And in my head, the way I visualize it is like a thing coming into the room and I can either scream at it and yell it to get out yell at it to get out of whatever room I'm in or I just let it come in let it like walk around and then it gets bored and leaves that is so good I am so glad you said that because you don't have to live like that you don't have to live with that you don't have to address it yeah yeah just let it come in and go the thing that I was always hearing especially when I would go to talk to people about the thoughts that I was having it was always like you got to pray it away you got to pray it away you got to pray it away you got to really tell that thing no and go away and It was for me making it worse because it wasn't going away and I would get more scared that it wasn't going away and it was becoming more of a reality to my brain when it wasn't what the reality was. But it was when I started just kind of sitting with whatever I was feeling or thinking and it would eventually just go away if I didn't. So when the lie or the doubt walks into the room and it's walking around, are you recognizing it? Most definitely. Most definitely. So you're recognizing that it's a lie. Most That's definitely. That's good. Yeah. That's good because a lot That's of people get confused about that. That's something that I had to learn, like for real, learn. But yeah, um, it's gotten to the point where the th- I still sometimes have the intrusive thoughts that I had early on, but they just don't do anything to me anymore. Yeah. That doesn't mean they stop happening, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an incredible. Um, the way that you have learned to to do that and process through that. Because for the rest of your life, there's going to be something. 
you, yeah. you, you know, you can't control life. Yeah. <laughs> life comes and things change. People change. Natural disasters happen. There's all of these things that we are going to have to deal with and think about and talk about and process. Uh, transition. We live in transition mm -hmm. constantly because we're people. We're growing and we're changing. And it's having a a process and understanding the lie from the truth like you're doing yeah. with that. I think one of the things that it's taught me too is just the meaning of freedom. Um, I was one of the people who thought freedom meant I'm never going to have to deal with this thing again. But it's really more of like, I don't have to answer it anymore. Lewis, <laughs> that's so good. It's And again, it comes down to the thing, the way I see it as like a thing coming into the room where it's just, I don't know, freedom is not like it's never going to come back into the room, but it's like, I don't have to acknowledge it. Yeah. And it just goes away. Yes. So. That is so great. Yeah. What are you, this might be a difficult question to ask, but what are you, uh, nope, I'm not even going to ask it. I want you to ask it actually. Okay. What are you afraid of in getting married? Um, so one of my biggest fears, even during the relationship, I've always in everything that I do have started a thing, got bored and never finished it. Okay. That's always been my issue. Getting married is a commitment. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of your life. Yeah, like for real. Yes. Um, and I like making jokes about how scared I am about it because <laughs> it just makes it funny. Um, <laughs> so my fear um, has always been like, what if I just don't care about you one day? Like, what if I just don't care? What if I wake up and I don't feel like the feelings that you're supposed to feel when you're in love with someone. Um, but one thing I've learned <laughs> about relationships in general is like feelings come and go. Yes, sir. And you ultimately at the end of the day have a decision to make to love the person that you're with. And for me, it's like, I know that I am safe in the relationship that I'm in. Yes. She's not going anywhere. Right. And she loves me. Yes. Whether I always feel it or not is not going to matter to me anymore because I know that I'm in a good thing. Um, but I struggled very early on with the feelings thing because I was so heavily anxious. And on the kind of medical practical side, because I was so anxious, it left no room for any good feeling. So I was like freaking oh, out. Oh, interesting. And like... I'm not feeling all the things I should be feeling and this is wrong. And even though I genuinely liked her and wanted to continue, it was making me freak out. Um, so, yeah, I'm most afraid of like the feelings running out and things going sour. But like I can't live my life and this just goes for everything that I do. If I live my life afraid that a thing that I'm getting into is going to not work out or that I'm going to get bored with it, that stuff is not stuff that is going to control me. At the end of the day, if I get bored with a thing or if I feel like I'm not feeling like I should, I still have a choice to do a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, That's exactly it. Yeah. So, and I've said this before and I wish I could remember when, where I say it all the time, actually. It's one mm. of my favorite things that Bob Sorge, one of my favorite authors, has a book about covenant. And I heard him speak and he said, covenant is saying for better, for worse, and you don't know which. Yeah. 
So when you go into covenant with people, but we're talking about in marriage here, it is, I'm saying for better, for worse. And I don't know if today is going to be better, or I don't know if it's going to be worse. I don't know if I'm going to feel something today or not feel something today. It doesn't matter. Covenant is saying, I choose you no matter what. I choose you if you are healthy and whole. I choose you if you end up in a wheelchair. I choose you if you have depression. I choose you if you're successful in making six figures. I choose you. It is for better or for worse, and you don't know which. We have a choice, and Covenant is saying, I am making a commitment to you, and I am choosing you regardless of how I feel. That is Covenant. Yeah, uh, I feel like where probably attributes to the issues that I was having with my own thought is just I feel like when we talk about marriage and relationships, we so push the really lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey stuff, but nobody wants to talk about like when you start hating each other, then what's going to happen? Or if you look over and like she's not looking too good, then what do you do? It's just we so push the great good parts that when the not so great good parts happen, it's just we don't know what to do with it because nobody talks about it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of just like with life in general, we just love to sell that this is great and awesome and nothing's ever going to go wrong. And if it starts to go wrong, get out. Yep. On to the next not, thing. Yeah. doesn't work that way. Which is really unhealthy. <laughs> Super unhealthy. Yeah. What do you think is one of the things that young men your age are struggling with when it comes to dating and relationships. What's Um, the hardest thing for them right now as a 25, 26 year old man living in 2020 commitment, commitment. Um, I think it's because of a heavy addiction, especially it's like getting, I won't say worse and worse, but it's giving heavier, getting heavier and heavier where I think, just people are addicted to pornography mm-hmm. and I 100% believe that that is a tr- like that is a uh, root kind of thing when it comes to commitment issues and I think that's a huge thing. Interesting yeah. because if they're getting um, sexual needs met through yeah. pornography and emotional needs met just in regular friendships mm-hmm. then they don't need then to do commit need? to marriage. Right. Interesting. Your brain is not telling the difference. If I'm constantly entering into that kind of thing and I'm allowing myself to think I can get pleasure from wherever, my brain is not going to be able to tell the difference between real life and what I think is not real life. When in reality it is real life Mm -hmm. and we really are doing something and our brain is getting those chemicals pumped up with whatever we're doing so you're basically training your brain to say every door's open. You don't have to commit to anything because you have You have all choice. these options. So that slips into your relationships. And I think we do that kind of thing without realizing the consequences. Yeah. Even in a church culture. Yeah. Yeah. People that love Jesus. Yeah. Still struggle with that. What do you want to be when you grow up? Besides married. I, yeah. <laughs> In just a few months. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anymore. I have always wanted to do something with film. I think if I had to pick something, Uh I really want to be a really great filmmaker who tells a Christian story without doing the obvious 
I don't know. I, go, and I'm not, talk, go talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. I am not at all saying like these movies are terrible. They, I don't like them. But like, I feel like with Christian films, they are a thing where it's, ah. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Go ahead. For me, from you my perspective, it. it's go super ahead. corny. Yes. It's just very much always the same. Like you have these scenes where like people are really praying and it's like a, there's just no abstract, artistic, anything. It's just very cut and dry, very bland. I think that I grew up watching Star Wars. Okay. I loved Star Wars. And I think in a weird way, the Lord has used Star Wars to help me better understand him. And it's so weird to say, but no, it's I feel not like the weird. Lord definitely does that. He does. The force he to me in Star Wars is like, that has always allowed me to connect with God in some way. Yeah. That kind of thing is something that we as Christians in art and especially filmmaking, it's just, it's bizarre to me that George Lucas, who is not like a professed Christian or anything, I think gets something spiritual right in filmmaking when we keep going back to the same thing and like you know you have a story of a kid who's dying and everyone gets around and the football team prays and it's like the same thing every time when it's like we can really get into something really cool and still be talking about the lord still be talking about the holy spirit it's just i don't know it's like we're afraid to get abstract and subtle and nuanced and it's almost like People will not like your film and attack you if you don't say Jesus a thousand times. Right. And that is always something that's frustrated me and something that I've wanted to be a part of changing. Yes. That's a great conversation. I really need to have you and my husband, Dave, sit down and talk about that on the podcast one day. We actually have a couple of people that would love to get in on that conversation (laughs) because that is something we are super passionate about, that no matter what you want to do, whether it's music, we've talked about this with musicians before, you know, the whole Christian music Mm kind of thing, really for us to be a Christian and when we talk about the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God into earth to transform people and culture, that means we're just going to do whatever we're passionate about doing. We're going to do it really, really well. We're yeah. going to be excellent at it. Not that it has to have the name Christian in front of it. We're just going to be really good and excellent at it. For me, it's always been like, a, I don't know. There's always been something. The reason I love film, it's hard for me to explain it. I think everyone in them has something that, and it kind of sounds cliche, but like you have a thing that you literally can't get out with like a word or you can't write it down or you can't express it without that specific thing. And that's what your gift is. For me, that's always been film. There's always like a thing in me that like starts to stir up when I see a thing and it makes me like there's something in that. And it's weird because we, I think just as Christians in general kind of attack Hollywood so much that we don't realize like these people do have a gift from the Lord. They're just not using it for him. Yeah. And the things that they're doing with, for me specifically film is beautiful. And we're allowed to think that it's beautiful we just have to realize like there is something that we can do with the things that we do with our gifts beautifully 
that lead back to him and that's the only thing that's at a disconnect when it's like Hollywood versus Christian kind of culture. Yeah. So I think that's just always something that struck with me where it's like I know that I have that in myself and I know that I see it and I know that what I'm seeing is striking that chord within me and that it we just need to find a way to connect it back to him and not just for ourselves or our own entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd want to talk about? We're good? Hi, Mom. (laughs) 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 Perfect. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a great conversation. Lewis is an incredible young man who will be marrying an amazing young woman in May, and I could not be happier for the two of them. I will be sure to post a wedding pic in May for all of you to see. We've got a Facebook page for the podcast you can go like. It's called, you guessed it, What's Next God Podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform app you use, and you'll be the first to know when a conversation gets started. If you've got an extra minute today, leave us a review as well. And if you want to get connected on social media, find me on Instagram or Facebook under the name Melissa Matheson. That's math, like four plus one equals five, I before E, son, S-O-N. As in my 17-year-old son, who just realized you can buy sour cream in a squeeze tube instead of a carton and keep squeezing sour cream on his finger because he thinks the squeeze tube is just too cool. Well, we're doing a recap episode on Wednesday with a special guest or two talking about some of our favorite things we've discussed on each episode this month. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm saving you a seat, so come join us as we sit around the table, have a cup of coffee, and talk about what's next. God. <laughs>